now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Friday, so we check in with our NFL insider, former Oakland Raider, Stanford Route is up on Cofield and Company. I'll get right to it because we got a lot of interesting topics to hit on today. Should the Raiders make a run at Odell Beckham? Uh, I think that uh, I think that would be. I don't think that would be a bad move. I don't. I think obviously with the departure of Henry Ruggs, you're going to need somebody that can go ahead and fill that number one ish type of receiver role. We all know OBJ. He's definitely done that in New York at a high level. Not so much in Cleveland, but obviously that's more of a run oriented offense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I would say going after OBJ or Deshaun Jackson just got released by the Los Angeles Rams. I think that uh, nonetheless, you have to go after somebody. I do not think that you can go ahead and try to fill that void, fill that role in-house. So I would look for the Raiders to make an acquisition, make a signing from somebody who is proverbially on the street right now. And you're not worried about what either guy brings in terms of baggage and potential locker room distractions. I think that obviously that may become somewhat of an issue as far as giving you a cause to pause to go ahead and actually really think about that. I don't think Deshaun Jackson is going to be any stretch of a a problem, a cancer in the locker room. At least he wasn't like that in Los Angeles. I don't remember hearing him about being that way in his second stint with Philadelphia and even in Tampa Bay before he left there. And before even in Washington, I don't remember hearing bad things about him is uh, in a huge stretch. As far as OBJ, we all know, look, receivers they're divas a little bit who the hell cares because you got plenty other guys who may have their own issues i'm sorry look at everything that has happened with richie incognito and yet mike mayock still signed him you're gonna go ahead and look those things with richie incognito mike mayock uh don't you dare go and start to think well you know uh obj might be a little bit of a of, of a distraction uh i'm sorry you better go ahead and treat everybody with that same level of scrutiny. If you're going to do that with OBJ, I would still go ahead and at least kick tires on him or Deshaun Jackson because who else are you going to get to fill that number one receiver role, somebody who can stretch the field? You cannot just go and just rely on the run game and your tight end Darren Waller to go ahead and carry all of the load for Derek Carr down this stretch. You're leading the AFC West right now. Emphasis on right now you got to go ahead and maintain that lead. Kansas City Chiefs, they beat the New York Monday Night Football. Shouldn't have won the game, but they did win the game. So you got to go ahead and start thinking ahead. If you're Mike Mayock, you can in-house. you got to go ahead and pick up somebody off the street. You can't trade for anybody because trade deadline has already passed. you got to pick up somebody off the street proverbially. That would be the best of Deshaun Jackson or OBJ as far as what's available. Yeah, I guess I would I would come back on the incognito thing saying, first of all, he's behaved himself the last couple of years. He is diagnosed bipolar. Maybe uh, maybe Odell Beckham has the same issue and he hasn't been diagnosed. I guess my worry is the, the problems with Odell Beckham are recent. Uh, he's got family members going up and trying to smash Baker Mayfield as quarterback. Like if he comes to the Raiders and the Raiders have been pretty good outside of game one, Stanford, in terms of distribution of targets. If he comes in here and he's not getting eight targets a game, is his family going to start flipping out on Derek Carr? <laughs> you know I, mean? hey, I don't I, I do not know you that know, answer you know. Steve, but I will say this in Odell Beckham's defense in his defense who was it that actually made that post on Instagram a couple days ago his father 
that was his father that wasn't him yes, obj has said all of the he said all of the right things ever since he got to cleveland he has not said anything that has been somewhat of a, a lightning rod something that has bought bad attention to the organization he's been a consummate professional as far as at the podium answering questions things like that even though he knows he's not getting the ball he's not able to go ahead and perform at the at the high clip that he knows he's capable of and like he did in new york so you have to give him credit in that regard that he has not said or did anything to disparage the Cleveland Browns. Yes, his dad did it. We all know whenever a family member says something, we go ahead and assume that it's probably the player sentiment and the and the other uh, family members is just echoing those sentiments. Yes, I understand that completely. All I'm just simply saying is we got to give him some credit. But as far as the OBJ uh, distraction as far as just that tree that umbrella of the aura that he brings all I'm saying is is that if you will go ahead and let's go ahead and remember this let's not forget Richie Incognito and the bullying scandal yeah bullying of all of all words in the NFL back in 2013 with the Miami Dolphins so my point that I'm trying to make is is that if you can go and make an excuse if you can make an explanation to still sign Richie Incognito even then after some of his certain issues that he had at home in his at his Arizona home a couple of years ago even after the Miami incident all I'm simply saying is if you can go and find it in your heart to give him a second slash third chance then if we're being all the way fair then one would assume one would surmise you could give obj that and obj has always been a phenomenal player richie incognito has been a pro bowl level player as well but odell beckham has been a superstar so if you can give the pro bowl level player a second or third chance you can't give the superstar a second or third chance that's all i'm saying but i definitely understand the point you're trying to make about the wonder okay are his distractions going to possibly go ahead and, to and torpedo uh, tank the team? I understand all of that logic. I'm just simply saying there's other guys on the roster that Mike Mayock has been able to go ahead and overlook some of their mistakes or actions. So let's go ahead and give everybody the same opportunity. Yeah, it's a it's a fragile group right now, I would think, uh, going to this game after what happened with Henry Ruggs. And you know what? I'll be the first one yes. to admit I'm not in a good mood this week. I'm having trouble – uh, you know, going to my heart and being patient with people. And I haven't really exploded over the rugs thing. What happened is maddening. Uh, we wound up losing a, a local 23-year-old woman uh, who had mm -hmm. been here most of her life in Tina Tintor. And, you know, the thing that really set me off, and I'm not saying it's all NFL players because I think most of the players and coaches have said, and I think they're thinking the right thing, but someone died. And yes. I'm, reading, I'm reading the other day Kadarius Tony of the Giants saying that, uh, we need to stop dragging Henry Ruggs. We're being goofy. When I see stuff like that, and, and, and he may be one of you know, 1,500, 1,800 players, but when I see stuff like that, that infuriates me, uh, and I just wonder how many people don't get it. This isn't the land of make-believe rookie wide receiver from the Giants. <clears throat> Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, remember, this is the same Kadarius Tony plays for the New York Giants that just several weeks ago, I believe it was a game after they played the Washington Red, the Washington football team, where he went to Twitter or Instagram or something and basically was airing out his dirty laundry or right. his grievances with the organization for not getting enough targets. So, 
oh, let's go ahead and also, and also remember, he's a rookie. He's young. He's still not even thinking off of the correct frontal lobe because it's not all the way developed yet. It doesn't develop till you're 25 years old. So he's not even thinking on the proper level of maturity that adults are supposed to be thinking on. Let's go ahead and give him at least a little bit of that stretch of a little bit of a pass now to the next point i agree with you completely steve and you know that's the main component of all this a young lady lost her life uh she will not she will not be able to go ahead and live her life to the fullest like everyone else still will be able to do to a certain degree so that obviously is the biggest tragedy of this all and i think for me whenever i see that it really puts things in perspective it resonates with me because Henry Ruggs, 22 years old, and because of the way that everything is set up, you get a gobs of money thrown at you at a young age, especially if you get drafted high like young Henry Ruggs did, and then you're thrown into this city that you've never been to before, <laughs> like you know nothing about Oakland, California, now Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, and oh yeah, by the way, there's no instruction manual and you just got able to drink legally a year ago the you've, you've you're now receiving a lot of money and the thing is, is that you feel invincible as a player you do i can tell you from personal experience you feel invincible you feel like nothing can get to you you feel on top of the world you're doing what you love to do you can paid a lot of money to do it everybody knows who you are you have every single possible possible perk or everything given to you free stuff you get in the clubs for free you know everybody wants to be your friend they said the other nobody tells you no so you feel invincible and the thing is is that coming into this league is that you feel on top of the world and because of that nobody gives you an instruction manual Nobody tells you how to conduct yourself. Nobody tells you about the pitfalls. Nobody tells you about making good decisions. There's nobody there that's really going to tell you, hey, you know what? You're not invincible. You still are very much mortal. You still have to go ahead and abide by the rules that everybody else on the planet has to abide by. And oh, yeah, these are some of the pitfalls that you can go ahead and, and fall into and you can be susceptible to if you don't pay attention. And that to me right there is probably what really resonates the most is because of that. That's this young lady who will never will be able to see the rest of her life. She has to go ahead and suffer because of that. So I think as an organ, I'm sorry, not as an organization, just as a league, that's something that we put these kids in so much of a disadvantageous position. And so it's just so tragic to see that, uh, that that actually happened because like I said, you shouldn't be going 157 miles an hour in your Chevrolet Corvette. You should not be doing that. That's, number one you shouldn't have a point what is it point one six uh blood alcohol you shouldn't have that um but like i said you know it's just man it, it's sad it, it really really is sad obviously the raiders they acted swiftly they released him and you know we'll see exactly what happens to henry ruggs in the next coming weeks months even years things like that it's definitely a tragic moment um and you know like i said my heart goes out to her and her family my heart, my heart goes out to everybody who was affected by this because, like I said, it's nothing more than a shameless tragedy by any stretch. Uh, and, you know, like I said, hopefully uh, hopefully, we all can find some way to make sense of this. We can, make, we can find a way to get through this, not get past it, get through it. 
uh, I don't believe that it's something that we should go ahead and turn a blind eye to or just you'll go ahead and try to pretend that it just simply didn't happen or try to rush our way to go ahead and get past this. I think we got to get through this and hopefully this can be used as a learning experience. But, you know, to your point, Kadarius Tony, he's young. So let's go ahead and try to give him a pass. I, you know, it's Friday. I, like, I want to try to go ahead and, you know, give him a pass of some sort. I want to try to. But. You know, the thing is also, and I know I'm getting long winded on this, Steve, but, you know, the thing is in that and this is this is life. And I say this because, you know, you see what happened. You see what happens on TV when somebody gets killed in a car accident, somebody gets killed at the hands of police brutality or there's gang violence or whatever, because for human beings and this is where we got to get better as a society, because for human beings, if they don't know that person personally, they don't feel connected to them. So when yeah. they hear somebody has died on TV, because they don't know them personally, they don't feel it. So, but for Kadarius Tony, he might know Henry Ruggs personally. Maybe they've crossed paths before. Maybe they've worked out before. So he feels a connection towards Henry Ruggs. So that's why he's going to go ahead and reach to have his back because they're fraternity brothers. They uh, obviously didn't come in the same draft class, but their draft class were just a year apart. They both play the same position. So he feels connected to him. But for this young lady who lost her life, she might as well be a nameless, faceless individual to Kadarius Tony because he doesn't know her. So he doesn't feel connected to her. And and that's why I feel as a society, we got to get better and actually think more abroad for our brothers and sisters from another mother, another father, what have you. And just because you don't know somebody personally doesn't mean that you still can't feel for them and their family. And that's where I think he has some growing to do. And because he's young, he still is not 25 years old yet. He eventually, hopefully, will grow into that level of, em of empathy. Stanford Route, the former Oakland Raiders here with us. All right, on the football field, obviously focus is going to be a question really with both teams. They both have a lot of distractions. Um, what's going to happen here? I mean, I think the Raiders are the better team, but obviously they're dealing with a lot. Yes, uh, and obviously this is going to be very tough, a tough week for them. Now, because of the New York Giants being inept in a lot of ways, I'm not sure if Saquon, Saquon Barkley is going to play or Kenny Galladay, I'm not sure about that. Because the Giants fumbled the ball away, literally, against the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday night, that's what gives me cause for optimism. Now, the East Coast trip, kickoff's going to be at 10 a.m. Pacific Coast uh, time. That notwithstanding, and obviously this being a tough week now, with the new interim head coach, because they were able to get through the John Gruden exodus, because they were able to get through that distraction, I have a little bit of optimism that he's going to be able to find a way to galvanize his team and get them to come together and be able to, I know I don't want to sound crass, I don't want to sound cold, I don't want to sound heartless, but get them to go ahead and block out those distractions, even if it's just for three hours, Sunday afternoon, out there at MetLife Stadium in New York. That right there gives me cause for optimism. But, yes, this is de definitely going to be a tough week. There's no doubt about that. You've lost your stretch the field number one leading receiver. So that's going to be something that's a blow to Derek Carr from a statistical and just a, and from a productive standpoint and even from a play calling standpoint. But I think that uh, ultimately 
the Raiders have to make sure that they go ahead and find a way to win this game. There's no doubt about that because the Kansas City Chiefs, yes, we saw that they stubbed their toe coming out the gate. They're now four and four. They're slowly coming, slowly. You got the Chargers. They're not going to disappear. Justin Herbert, one of the best young quarterbacks in this league. The Denver Broncos obviously look like they're in rebuild mode. They just trade away Von Miller to the Los Angeles Rams. But I think if you're the Raiders, this division is right there in your hand for the taking. You got to find a way to go get it. Now, obviously, you've had some distractions during the month of October and even the first part of November. There's no doubt about that. You got to find a way to compartmentalize. You got to find a way to push through. You feel for the young lady. Obviously, you do not want to see that happen. You don't condone what Henry Ruggs did. But just because you're finding a way to go ahead and compartmentalize does not mean you're making light of that situation. You have a job to do. You got to go out there and do it because the new york giants they feel for you trust me they're like they're not happy that it happened to you but like rod woodson told me years ago when you're playing against an opponent they feel for you that you've had some sort of a tragic accident in the family you've had a death in the family you've had some sort of hardship they feel for you but they don't care because they still have right. a job they have to do so they're still going to try to win the game so that's what the raiders have to go ahead and realize and make sense of and make sure that they go ahead and take care of business on Sunday. That way it becomes an even bigger matchup the following week against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Stanford, great spot, man. After the week that uh, has passed, I just want to watch some football at this point. So I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I'm just looking forward to Saturday and Sunday and, and Monday and watching the guys go out there and play football. So I appreciate it. Same here, man. Uh, you be good. I'll talk to you next week. There he is, our football insider on Fridays, the former Oakland Raider. Stanford route on the way back. Man, I'm worked up today. I'm sure a lot of people are. We'll have to get into what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we found out now what he meant by immunized. He consulted with Joe Rogan on COVID treatment. Oh, okay. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. Back here on Cofield and Company, another great check-in with a former NFL player, and there's so many good stories to get into. Another wide receiver, Mike Sherrard, who played in the league for upwards of uh, uh, 10 years, nine years, with really good organizations, too. Mark McMillan is here with us. Mark, take it away. we got so much to get into today on this Friday. Yeah, first of all, I appreciate Mike being on. You know, we've uh, seemed like every time I get a guy on, I've done battle with the guy. So, you know, it's 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 good to see him, uh, you know, not in uniform and not bite down on his mouthpiece trying to bust me in my mouth. So uh, I, I definitely appreciate you being on. You had a, a, a great career. Um, you know, obviously, you know, your career at UCLA uh, was outstanding. Um, you know, with the Pac-12 and with the standings coming out uh, this week, how do you feel – you know, uh, uh, about the Pac-12, you know, getting into the college football playoffs. And what happened to your mighty Bruins? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the Bruins, that's a whole different issue. But uh, uh, Bruins start off strong, and then they fall <laughs> third, and they never do great. And I, I just don't know what to ex- – I know what to expect. Nothing great every year. Uh, the Pac-12 – well, see that that that's 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 kind of that's kind of odd that you would say that because when you talk about UCLA and all the success that they have with the successful programs, including yourself, uh, yeah. it, it, you know, for people to think that now, you know, more, more, should, more. You, the last time they won a Rose Bowl, <laughs> I was on the team, nineteen eighty six. So they've had great players. I mean, Troy Aikman and Ken Norton, and they've had a number number one draft picks. You name it. But the last. 
I don't know, 15 years have been not very good. And yeah, so, I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be I nice. You are. I, I'm trying to keep it real. They need to be in the league of their own, but still, we're trying to get to respectability. Um, but the, I think with the Pac-12, the teams are not as good as uh, the SEC schools, for sure. And, and I take this to, you know, I lived in Atlanta the last couple of years, and I saw the SEC and the, and the ACC and, and how serious they take football. Mm-hmm. Um, town shut down, you know, when Alabama's playing and Ole Miss. And it, it's a different brand of wanting to be great, needing to be great. This is what we care about. Um, you know, you see, like, they don't care about winning as much as some other schools. And so it shows on the field. Unfortunate. And I hope they win every week. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm going to die and die. But yes. it's it's hard to, to compete with people that, that really want to have it. And you, you know, you, you transfer over your career to the National Football League. Um, you know, coming out a really high draft pick. You know, people expecting big things. What kind of pressure were you on, knowing that you were the guy? Uh, you know, coming out of UCLA with what a great four year career uh, there in college. What were some of your expectations when you walked into the locker room, knowing you know you were the top pick and the guy that everybody was looking for to make plays? You know, the interesting thing about my year was I was lucky in terms of the expectations. Yeah, I was the first receiver picked in my draft and a first-round pick, but I came in the same year as Herschel Walker. So Herschel had gone to the to USFL, mm-hmm. and then by the time that league folded, he joined the team the same time as me. So that kind of deflected some of what's our number one draft pick doing when you have Herschel Walker, who was a Heisman Trophy winner, and, and Herschel was great, especially beginning part of his career. Herschel yeah. was win. And so that took a lot of – that helped me kind of ease into it and, uh, and just kind of build my own thing. Hey, can you – Mike Sherrard's with us here on ESPN Las Vegas. Can you talk about your injuries? Because, you know, you look back at uh, your log for games and you're like, wait, okay, draft in 86, like really didn't get back for a couple of years. I mean, you had a serious broken leg issue. And then when you were rehabbing, what, like running on the beach, you, yeah. you, you injured yourself again. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It was uh, so my first year went really well. My, my rookie year in the season, uh, season in the pros with the Cowboys. The next year in training camp, I broke my leg compound. I almost threw up in my mouth when you said that team. Oh, sorry. But yeah, so I broke my leg in training camp. Uh, we scrimmage against the Chargers, and something weird happened, and compound fracture, and everyone knows what that means bone through the skin. And then during rehab, trying to get back. So I missed that season. The next, about eight months later, I rebroke it again, just rehabbing. I was jogging on the beach and was following the doctor's prescription orders of what to do, and it just wasn't strong enough. So I missed two seasons with the Cowboys. And so then it was really bad blood with the Cowboys. So I switched. I jumped ship to the 49ers. And obviously the 49ers had Rice, they had Taylor, and they had a great running attack with Roger Craig and mm-hmm. obviously number 16 back there throwing the ball. They said, Mike, look, just take a year off. Like, we don't really need you right now. We're, we're loaded. Um, but I eventually I came back uh, for the playoffs that year. <laughs> Super Bowl. It was their back-to-back year. Um, but, yeah, luckily I was young, and luckily I, I never gave up. This is my dream, you know, Mark, and a test. As a kid, you dream about playing in the NFL, and you get that opportunity – you you want to give it every bit of effort you can. And so that's what I did. I been to healed and got to play another, you know, seven, eight years after that. Like that was that was amazing. You know, you're just reading some of the reports, you're like, okay, Mike's coming back. Then it gets hurt again. Okay, Mike's coming back. 
Then he gets hurt again. I was like, man, this dude has had some rough luck. But you know, obviously, you know, you overcame that. And, you know, talking about your years in New York, um, you know, a lot of people can't play in those big market cities, uh, especially with the fan base that they have. You know, obviously coming from Dallas was a little different than Frisco. It's more like, you know, having tea and walking poodles. Uh, and, and then you go to New York where it's like every play or every game is, is being scrutinized. What was it like being in the locker room with, you know, some of those greats uh, from the Giants? You know, I love playing in New York. Uh, I was a little nervous going there because it is different. NFC East, I mean, the Eagle fans are serious. The Redskins fans are serious. The Giants fans don't mess around. Yeah. <laughs> but to me, I think you probably feel the same about Philly fans. They appreciate people that give effort, that, that right. really want it. And so if you're a diva and, and, and want special treatment – they, you'll get booed and you'll get stuff thrown at you. But with me, I, you know, I, I, they knew I was going to try hard. We didn't throw the ball a lot. We had, you know, Rodney Hampton and we were running the ball a lot. And after Phil Sims retired, our pass attack went downhill pretty quick. And so I, I didn't. Oh, I loved it. I, I was like, I was like, who's going to be the quarterback this week? But but I appreciated the honesty of the people out there and. And again, I, I gave my effort every every game, every play, every practice, and so I had no problem with the media, no problem with the fans. It was a great experience. What do you think of uh, this Giants team and how they're going to do this weekend against the Raiders? They're like my UCLA Bruins. They've been struggling. <laughs> <laughs> They've been struggling for a long time, and so I don't know if I can really pinpoint what it is. I mean, it's. The quarterback has played better. Jones has played better. Um, but they just don't have their act together. And then, obviously, the NFC East is not the strongest. The Cowboys are having a great year. But the league has not been great. But the Giants have, have struggled over how long? When's the last time they've been in the playoffs? And so they need to kind of look at themselves internally and say, what do we need to do better? Whether it's drafting better players, coaching, or something. But if you're bad for that long, there's got to be major changes. Yeah, my, my son's surprisingly, my son is a Giants fan. Really? And, you know, every yeah, yeah, he, he went totally off the off the clip. You know, uh, you know, uh, Peter Gentle was my defensive back coach in uh, Philadelphia with Bud Carson, and he ended up being the defensive back coach when the Giants, you know, were on their Super Bowl run. So he's just send my son all kind of Giant stuff. So he's a huge Giant fan. But every week I have to see my son screaming at the TV. Uh, it, it, it's it's I'm I'm happy inside because I'm an evil guy, but at the same time I'm like I feel for my son. I was like, but son, you guys won two Super Bowls since you were born. He's like, I don't care. Our quarterback is terrible. We need to fire our coaching staff. I was like, I need to get my son on the show. He might be a good little guest, right? But it's got to be personnel. Uh, I, I can't blame it all on Daniel Jones. He's a young dude. Yeah, I think yeah. he's doing better. Um, some of their free agent pickups haven't been there. They haven't worked out the best. Um, and again, they're not in a strong conference, so. They have to look at themselves, look in the mirror and say, what do we need to the management does? What do we need to get better? And what they're doing now is not working. I mean, they're two wins this year. They could have beat Kansas City, but Kansas yeah. City is struggling. So that's yeah. some sort of consolation. But, yeah, they're, they're not a good uh, organization right now. In throughout history, they've been a great organization. But right, right now, they're definitely struggling. 
and like struggling, and like I said, they should have won that game. You know, obviously, you know, we, we know Darnay Holmes very well, yeah. um, who's a nickelback for the Giants, gets a nice interception, and then they get called for a penalty. Ball game would have been over with that. You know, it's, they were giving the Chiefs so many opportunities to win that game. It was like, but like I said, it's been going on all year, and it's frustrating, I'm sure, for the players because you're busting your butt in practice. You know, you're trying to do the best you can. I don't see any of those guys out there quitting and they just come up with dumb penalties at the wrong time. And like I said, it just starts from the top and it seems like it just trickles down onto the field. And, you know, for a historic organization, um, I want to see our division do well. Because when that division is strong, you know, it seems like the whole league kind of feeds off that. But now that the Cowboys are like, you know, they're, they're, they're the king of the division right now, you know, and, uh, and that's it. You know, <laughs> Let, let's talk about the story of the day. And Mike Sherrard with his former receiver with the, the Giants and the Broncos and the Niners and the Cowboys. Mark McMillan is with us here as well on ESPN Las Vegas. And we'll start with you, Mike. Um, li- listen, I understand the, the receiver position is a, you know, it's a, it's a me position at times. You got to go out there. You got to beat your man. And yet off the field, there are a lot of receivers who are a handful to handle. So I just wonder what your take is on. Odell Beckham is going to be gone from the Browns. He's going to go on waivers. And I just see I see a lot of people are like, oh, we need to get him. And I, I think people are forgetting, like, he's leaving Cleveland because they couldn't get along. So what do you think of Odell Beckham? If you had a good team, would you pick him up? I would. I think he's a, a great talent. And sometimes receivers, and I'm a receiver, receivers can be divas. Even the best receivers to ever play can be divas. And it's, and it's it is a struggle if you're looking from a standpoint of the coach or the quarterback or the team to, to wrap these guys and put them in line and, and make them play like everyone else. But maybe because you're out there by yourself or maybe because you the receiver catches a deep ball, you think you get all the glory because I did it. But yeah, I needed blocking. I needed a, a good throw. I needed the quarterback to see I was in the progression or whatever it is. But I think he's a great talent. But sometimes receivers don't work for to certain teams. Look at Randy Moss back in the day was with the Raiders. I mean, he was a stud with Minnesota. The Raiders, it was like a black hole where was his career over? Then he went to New England, and he was the man again. And so for whatever the case, I think with Cleveland, their running team, Baker Mayfield, I don't think he's a bad quarterback, but he's probably average. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe with the schemes, they're not trying to get him the ball. And so – to me, he's a number one. And so he needs to go to a team where he could be a number one or maybe number two this year. It's hard to kind of jump in midseason and, and be the man. But I think next year he could be the man somewhere because he's super fast, got great hands, he runs great routes. I wouldn't worry about his attitude. If he's happy, then he'll be good for a team. Mark, if you were the Raiders, would you pick him up? If I was a Raiders, that's a tough question. You know, I've been asked that question, and I, I went back to Nelson Aguilar when they didn't resign him as a veteran guy who was a really good production receiver and really good for that locker room. And you bring in an Odell Beckham who doesn't have that same, I would say, mentality. Um, he works his tail off. You know, he's still a great receiver. He still can make things happen. For the Raiders, it will be tricky. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on with that organization. But I think if you bring him in at this point of time, um, he can be a big help for those guys. And, you know, just for a, a security blanket, you know that he's going to be open. If he's one-on-one, uh, I, I'm going to give my – I'm going to test my chances on giving him the ball. Um, you know, Waller's been hurt a lot, you know, for the Raiders. So uh, Renfro has seemed like to be the only guy that they can really rely on. Uh, you know, obviously with the things going on with Ruggs, he's not going to be there. 
Um, so it, it, it's it, it's a no brainer for me to for them to pick up a veteran guy because they're still in the hunt. You know that they're still in first place, and you know the Chiefs are not looking really good. The Chargers are going to be really tough. Um, so you're going to need somebody to be able to go up against uh, those teams and, and try to stay afloat of the division. And you know if I'm Carr, you know I'm lobbying for this guy. And you know when you've been cut so many times, especially at this point of his career, I'm sure he's going to come in with some humble pie. He's going to come in pissed off, and he's going to come in and want to you know want to want to produce. Now you bring Odell to Vegas. You know, he, he, you got to put somebody around him because, you know, he, he is that diva guy. And, you know, for the Raiders with what they're going through, I don't think he will try to shine away from that to bring more attention to himself. Because when you get cut, man, I don't care who you are. It's a humbling experience. It's a it's a terrible feeling. But I, I think he will be a great addition to that to that offense, um, you know, especially with all the guys that they have, you know, going in and out of the lineup. Yeah, I have to agree with the Raiders as well, because. Obviously, unfortunate situation with rugs and, and what happened, and feel terrible for the family that you know lost a, a loved one. Um, but from a football standpoint, you need a speed receiver, someone that can threaten the safeties and, and make them play honest. And, and rugs was developing into that. I think the yeah. first part of the season, maybe not as much, but the last few weeks, people you have to respect a guy that can run that fast. I mean, yeah. he was. Yeah, I was watching. I went to one of the games uh, when they played the uh, the Eagles. And, you know, Slay is a good cornerback, but when he lined up against Ruggs, his cushion went from, you know, five or six on, you know, the regular receiver to like seven to eight yards. So just yeah. that alone, you know, you have to respect that. And Odell as well. You're not you're not going to find too many guys that's going to get up and press them and be successful for 60 minutes. Right. But then also, as you know, with the safeties, the safeties have to help out. So yeah. if you're a safety, you want to get in the box, but you have to say, <laughs> I can't give him a touchdown. <laughs> you have a touchdown. But that, that helps the, the running game, and that will help their team. And it, it would be kind of tough blending in the middle of the season with new playbook, and you could do certain things. Um, but I think he deserves a second shot for sure. Hey, guys, I wanted to close on this one. Mark McMillan, uh, Mike Sherrard with us here on ESPN Las Vegas and Cofield and Company. You know, th- this week in Vegas, we've been talking a lot about the rugs thing, and it's just, you know, negative stuff about NFL players and Aaron Rodgers with his immunization. And um, But the league does a lot, and the players do a lot for charities. And I know Mark is very involved in, in several charities. And I, I noticed in the past, and I don't know if you're still doing it, Mike, but uh, that you were very involved in raising awareness for autism. Correct, correct. And so I, I think that the NFL – the vast majority of the guys are doing great things. Uh, you know, I think that if you watch the news in general, it's always bad news. And so even with the ESPN and, you know, they show the highlights, but people want to focus on the negativity and the bad things that happen. I think it, it sells. Um, but again, I think most players in the league do good things. They want to do good things and can use their name and what they've done to bring awareness and, and money and different things to, to charities. And yeah, I have a son with autism. Um, he's got severe autism, so he doesn't really communicate, and he's never going to get a job. He, he doesn't have friends. and But don't feel sorry for me. I mean, I love him to death. I wouldn't trade him for anything in the world. And we have our times, and we have fun and, and everything. And so, yeah, I'm always giving back to charities and, and things I can do for not only autism but other charities as well. There's a lot of uh, foundations out there that are doing great things. And if I could use – you know, I'm not, obviously not catching any balls anymore. But if I can use what I've done in the past, if they pop out somebody's knee, then, then I, I'm, I'm all for it. Good deal. Well, we appreciate it, Mark. We appreciate it, Mike. Thank you so much. We appreciate the time. 
Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Take I care. I appreciate you, Mike. I take care, man. Bad things that happen. I think it it sells. Um, but again, I think most players in the league do good things. They want to do good things and can use their name and what they've done to bring awareness and and money and different things to to charities. And yeah, I have a son with autism. Um, he's got severe autism, so he doesn't really communicate, and he's never going to get a job. He, he doesn't have friends. And but don't feel sorry for me. I mean, I love him to death. I wouldn't trade him for anything in the world. And we have our times and we have fun and and everything. And so yeah, I'm always giving back to charities and and things I can do for not only autism but other charities as well. There's a lot of uh, foundations out there that are doing great things. And if I could use, you know, I'm not, obviously not catching any balls anymore, but if I could use what I've done in the past, if they pop out somebody in need, then, then I'm all for it. Good deal. Well, we appreciate it, Mark. We appreciate it, Mike. Thank you so much. We appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Take care. I appreciate you, Mike. I take care, man. Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios. Revan Jordan lined up left. Mills takes the snap. Mills throwing to the end zone. It's caught by Brevin Jordan. Touchdown, Houston. The rookie quarterback throws to the rookie tight end, and the Texans get another score. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. There you go. First of uh, hopefully many for Brevin Jordan, the hometown hero, uh, Texans tight end out of Bishop Gorman. Played at Miami. Uh, Wheeler Ramirez actually caught up with Brevin this week and started off the conversation talking about that uh, monumental moment. It was surreal. Like, I don't know. There's really no words for it. I mean, I, I, before the game, I just took a moment. I just looked up and I just, you know, thanked the man above for putting me in this position just to even be in the NFL. But to be honest with you, it was so surreal. I, there's no really no words for it. Running out the tunnel going to the end of the end zone before the game and praying the national anthem, catching the ball on the screen, everything. It was just, everything was so surreal. I took everything in. Let's move on to the fourth quarter. The Rams are leading 38-14 late in the game. Was that short pattern designed specifically to get you your first TD? Tell us about your first professional touchdown just leading up to that. Right. So that play, we actually called it twice. Well, we called it that game, the total, we called it three times total that game. We called it once in the first, and I think, once in the third, and both times the tight end popped open. It was Auclair and Aikens, both times they popped open. And so when they called it for me, they were like, uh, Brevin, sub, sub, sub. They told me to come in, and then they called the play, and I was just ready to go. It's been a long road with the emotions you've poured into every level of your career. What's the journey been like from the nation's top high school program at Gorman, one of the most dangerous seven-on-seven programs, playing at tight end you in Miami, and now fulfilling your dream? It's the, the word for it. I would say it's humble. I'm very humbled to be in this position. I mean, I wouldn't be here without the foundation I was raised up on. My mother, you know, my brothers, my friends and family, the Bishop Gorman community, the Las Vegas community, everybody plays a piece into why I'm so successful today. And to be honest, we're just getting started. I mean, I'm a rookie in the NFL and we haven't even scratched the surface with anything like, so I, I mean, just all, everything that I've accomplished has come through other people. Earlier this week, Brevin, in your hometown, about 10 minutes from the campus, you walked a tragic crash with someone very near your age. Henry Ruggs' career is seemingly over. Is this a scary eye-opener for a young NFL rookie like yourself? Just, just sort of like, wow, especially being in your hometown? 
I mean, it's it's just one of those situations, you know, you just pray for Henry Ruggs and the victims, but it doesn't scare me because I was raised I was raised with the right mindset to just, you know, one decision can ruin your life. And so, I mean, I'm praying for Henry Ruggs and the victim, but it doesn't scare me. You've never been shy in displaying your faith. How much has that guided you during this whole process? It's been the complete guidance for everything. I mean, when I have anxiety, I go to the man above. When I'm not sure, I go to the man above. I mean, my whole life is surrounded around my family, my faith. So when I'm unsure, I question, I have a question about something about my own, you know, anything, I go to my family first, and then I go to the man above. I, they can't give me an answer. And as you you touched on on Mama Bev earlier, as you become a social media favorite for your fans, of course, me going back, knowing you personally, um, one of the longstanding photos that was a favorite of so many of, of the media members and, and your fans was that the one of you and Mama Bev, you're hugging her after a Gorman game. You know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. In so many of her own posts, you've always promised her. I'll never forget. Every time she posts something, especially on Instagram, it's almost time, Mama. It's almost time. A couple more years. One more year. I got you. So it's always been something along those lines. Can you tell us how the strength of your mother all these years has fueled what you've become? I mean, she's unbelievable. She's she's unbelievable. The type of woman she is, I've raised three you know, young men, sending all, all three of us to private schools. She, she's raised us not to be surrounded around, you know, drugs or violence. She's raised us to just be men who stand on their faith and their foundation. And so my mom, she's, she's unbelievable. I mean, I, like, you know, she's a breast cancer survivor. She's just unbelievable. I don't know how she does what she does at the level she does. She's, there's no words for it. She's literally a, a soldier. Uh, next up for the Texans is a trip for you back to Miami, where you're a beloved Hurricane alum. Any indication for your local fans uh, if you're if you're going to stay active? You be, will we see you on the field Sunday against the Dolphins? I'm not sure. That's that's a week to week decision. I'm not sure if I'm playing or if I'm not playing. I'm just getting ready to go as if I am playing, like I do every week. Yeah, and we don't know the schedule with the with the NFL schedule makers do obviously from year to year, but there's going to be a time hopefully that we're going to get to see you in Las Vegas. Have you thought about that, 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 that moment? <laughs> I'm ready. I haven't even been in Allegiant stadium yet. Like not once I haven't been inside it. So the first time I will probably get the opportunity to, to be in Allegiant stadium is when I play the Raiders. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be exciting. A lot of my, my family, are you going to be there? I mean, all of Vegas is probably going to be at the game. So I'm excited for it, man. One final question. Just, you know, you're one of several that are putting, continuing to, grow Las Vegas's foundation. Ramondre Stevenson's having a decent time with the Patriots. Um, how exciting is it just to know that you're a part of the growth of now what's become this electric pro city? It's huge. I mean, the Vegas, I mean, we're not, me, Ramondre, Tony Fields, we're not the guys, the first guys to set that foundation. I mean, it was guys like Shabazz Muhammad and Ronnie Stanley, Anu Solomon, Shaquille Powell, those guys that came before us that made the city like, the city as big as it is for sports, high school sports, especially. I mean, we just saw those guys and we were just like, let's do it at the same level, but let's try to do it at an even higher level. So, I mean, it's unbelievable to see, you know, even the young guys, I see the guys like, like, like Daniel Britt and like Anthony Jones, and you know, some of the Liberty guys and Zion Branch and just Cam Barfield. I mean, all them guys, it's just like unbelievable because it feels like we didn't start that obviously, but we feel like we're, we're a big part of as, to why a lot of recruits come to Vegas more and more.
All right, Brev, we appreciate you coming on the show today. We wish you all the luck. We hope to see you active continually throughout the season and hope to, you know, maybe by the end of the season, have you on once more to talk about how the season wraps up for you. Let's do it. That was Brevin Jordan of the Houston Texans and formerly of the Miami Hurricanes, tight end you, and of course, formerly of Bishop Gorman High School, All-American. We are going to take a quick break. Come back, Coltfield and Company. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. All right, we are back, Cofield and Company. Willie Ramirez here in the studio, the Finley Toyota studio. I got Ari behind the board. We got Steve Cofield remote in Albuquerque getting ready for the UNLV Rebels against uh, New Mexico. That, of course, tomorrow. Rebels looking for that first win, but Ion Sports betting. Steve, we got you. Steve might be uh, Steve might be experiencing some technical difficulties. And uh, so we got some eye on sports gambling. We have some games tonight, Ari. Um, we have one underway, Virginia Tech and Boston College. Virginia Tech, it uh, was about a pick em game. It's scoreless four minutes into the – or seven minutes into the game. Uh-oh, 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 interception oh. near the goal line for Virginia Tech. Okay, so we got Steve so, giving us play-by-play. Uh, yeah, sorry. Well, I figured it was an easy way to jump back in since I was having <laughs> – Connection issue, I was about yeah. to give the late game line. We got Utah at Stanford. Pac-12 matchup. Uh, Stanford looking to snap that three-game streak. Utah laying 10 on the road. It was nine earlier, and the total is 52. Utah trying to prove that this 4-on-1 streak is no fluke, and the Utes are hoping to get into the Pac-12 title game. Steve, you got any action tonight? No, nothing on, nothing on this one. I, I wanted to look ahead to the NFL here in a second. Okay. Uh, we got fights this week, and I want to remind everyone – a really cool watch party going down to Crazy Horse 3. You got UFC 268 and the Plant Canelo fight. Mm-hmm. So you got uh, sports viewing with a view over at the world-famous Crazy Horse 3, UFC 268, and the Canelo fight. The action kicks off at 5 o'clock over at Crazy Horse 3. They got the full kitchen menu, drink specials. The sound will be on. Uh, to reserve a table, you call 702-673-1700. You get more information that way. You can also book online at crazyhorse3lv.com. And uh, you can get uh, potentially a discount up there. So a uh, good watch party, and it's a really good fight weekend. We'll get into the fights here in just a couple minutes. Um, do you Did you lay anything yet for the NFL? Did you bet anything yet for the NFL? I did not. Um, we kind of had this conversation, I think, yesterday in, in terms of what I do with local teams. I'm telling you right now, I am more and more wishing that I was unscrupulous because <laughs> I, like Ra- I think the Raiders – are going to win. Um, I think they're going to beat the Giants. Um, but well, you see what the line is doing, right? So, so Saquon Barkley's not going to play. I mean, he's off of COVID. Right. And this was before that because we talked yesterday. So, but yes, yeah. yes. So he had a he had a false positive. So mm-hmm. he could play if he was healthy, but he's not healthy, so he's out. So now the line has gone uh, Vegas minus twenty at a bunch of places, and it looks like Circa and uh, one of the other national books. Uh, both have Vegas at three and a half, so you may see this now push to three and a half or four, unless there's like massive buyback from Sharps. But so far, if it's sitting at three and a half, 
It doesn't look like the buybacks come yet. Um, and the one one of the games we brought up earlier this week that I still love, and even with all the drama that is being caused by uh, lying Vax boy, I like the Packers this week. I like them plus the points. That's sitting right now around seven. Uh, there are a couple of seven and a halves. I say because of where it's at and because of the quarterback that we're talking about opposing, um, it wouldn't hurt with the most vulnerable number out there or the most, you know, the, the, the one number you look at seven by the half point. But I like the Packers here because I think there's more to it um, than just missing Aaron Rodgers in what we've seen with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, how that defense is folded, and how well Green Bay's defense has played. Last week, same situation to a degree with the Dallas Cowboys, missing Dak Prescott, uh, starting Cooper Rush. They will go on the road. They end up winning outright because the defense stepped up. I think that the Packers, um, you know, I think that they prepared well for this, and I think that they're at an advantage. And if Kansas City does come out firing and finally shows their mettle, the one thing that they've always done is been the team that's, thrived on offense to outshoot, you know, to co- or to compensate for its defense. So, you know, I, I think Jordan Love has prepared for this, has has been waiting for this moment, and I think the troops rally around him. I like the, pl- I like the points. By the way, how bad is it if I go back to your Cooper Rush, Dak Prescott point, and I point out that Cooper Rush may be better than Jordan Love? Yikes. Well, could be. We That's don't know. That's scary. But we don't know. Yeah, why? Well, we won't know. We, we've seen a little bit of Jordan Love, and I'm not exactly confident that he's going to come out and and even be representative. But, you know, hey, you got your play down. You got your play down. I got more plays in the next hour. Let's take a break here. Uh, later this hour, or check that, later in the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to go out to New York and get the latest from Adam Hill on a bunch of different things. Obviously, the Henry Ruggs fallout. Now there's more and more stuff with Damon Arnett, including a really weird video that's just been put up on Twitter and other social media spots. We'll get into the injuries on the Giants side and what's going to happen with Odell Beckham and Deshaun Jackson if they could be Raiders down the road. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.